Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of The Roots Podcast. As always, I am Carter Spires here with my co-host Matthew Bartlett, the director and managing editor of The Roost, your premier source for rice sports news and analysis. The Roost Podcast is part of the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Republic of Football Podcast Network. You know, we will never get accused of saying the same thing two weeks in a row on this podcast. Uh, not because we have some uh, like great power of originality and 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 you know skill with words and analysis, but because uh, this team is never going to play like the same team two weeks in a row. Yeah, that's for certain. I the, I think the only thing in constant we have week over week is shop at home field. I'm anxiously <laughs> waiting for my uh my baby blue love you owls shirt. Yeah, mine has officially shipped. It is on the way. Ooh, it's coming. It's coming. Yes. Yeah, so you should use the code ROOST, R-O-O-S-T. Get 15% off your first order at home field. And maybe we'll take a, a podcast selfie. Everybody wear, next time, time you listen to this, go wear your Lovey Blue Owls shirt and, or whatever else. I, I'm, I'm going to be honest, every morning, my, my, I have this weird, I don't know if anybody else has this. I have different temperatures based on different rooms in my house and my office is always hotter in like the evenings and cooler in the mornings than the rest of my house, no matter what I set my thermostat to. Mm -hmm. So pretty much every morning when I wake up and walk into my office, I put on my home field. Like I have the sailor owl like hoodie, right? Yeah. And I wear that for probably the first two hours of my work every morning until my office kind of warms up. So I'm, there's a lot of home field love happening over here, but that's, that's the lone constant, the football team, professional segue, and then segue out. The football team makes no sense, man. I don't know what team is going to show up, but if I could make a request, could it be this one? Please. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the upshot of, of, uh, rooting for uh, and and covering uh, a team that is all over the place is that you do uh, we forget sometimes you do get the high highs to go along with the frustrating lows and uh, this week had everything uh, just a a a comprehensive butt kicking really yeah I I I was going through the accolades I had them pulled up here in front of me. This is the first uh, largest conference win that Rice has had since 2013. It was their largest conference road win that they've had since 2003, <laughs> which is a long time wow. ago. I went back and checked. I don't know if you have this off offhand. Uh, how many Bloomgren era games, uh, conference games, has Rice won by more than a touchdown since shutting out Marshall? That was 2020. Um, the one that immediately came to mind yeah (laughs) well there you go the one that immediately came to mind was the southern miss game but uh in but that was in 2020 before the marshall game so yes that they in 2020 they won a pair of games by three scores but every other conference win since then has been a one score win kind of grinded out there was there was no grinding. I was watching kind of who was on the field in the fourth quarter. And Rice had the basically the third team defense on the field in the fourth quarter and threw up a three and out against the starting offense for Tulsa. Pretty good. Pretty nice. Yeah, I was. So, you'll just, take that. <laughs> just watching it early, it sort of felt like 
and, and that's the wild thing, as you say. You, you look at the overall stats in this one, and you're like, okay, like, uh, Rice got three turnovers and, like, you know, cashed in off that and uh, turned those into points. But they didn't really, like, like, after the last of those three turnovers was, unless there was one late in the game, no. After the last of those three turnovers was gotten, it was... I guess it was 14 to three at that point. And then shortly thereafter, it was 14 to 10. So all of the like butt whooping on Rice's part in this game largely took place after the, the turnover exchange was done with. Like that was kind of the crazy part is that it wasn't necessarily built off the back of those three. Like obviously keeping Tulsa off the board early when they were having more success moving the ball was sort of key in in the final score looking like it did but it's not as though rice got you know like three pick sixes here or or turned these into short fields and cashed in like it took a while for this to build and i, I wondered if it was going to be one of those games especially after they scored to go up 21 10 and i started to kind of feel better about okay like like they have a good shot at at really winning this one um but i wondered if it was just going to be the thing where like you know they got those turnovers early and maybe make some key stops later and, and kind of maybe get outplayed generally, but, but managed to stay out ahead. But I, uh, they really dropped the hammer in the second half. Like that was, that yeah. I think was the most impressive part. The, the most impressive part for me in, and, and I think the turnover part was interesting because it, in effect, what it did is it bought the offense time to kind of get their act together. Yeah. The offense kind of came out and we've seen this movie before uh, the offense kind of came out the beginning, early drives, the kind of scripted stuff. Boom, boom, boom. Everything clicking. Uh, got 14 first quarter points. But then really the end of the first quarter all through until the final minute, basically two minutes of the second quarter, the offense was just kind of like going through it. And there were some drops. JT, I looked up the stats. One point was five of 13. He was completing like, what is that, like 38 percent of his passes or something like that. And he finished the day completing 65%. So that tells you how much better his second half was than that kind of middle low. But yeah, I think that was the most interesting because it gave them kind of time to work through it. Because I think if you take this, these three turnovers away, you know, maybe this is a 42 to 28, 42 to 31 kind of game, like a game that is closer. But, but still, even if you, even if you do that, the effectiveness the offense had, particularly in the second half, they did something that I don't think we've seen all year. Maybe both, actually. They, their first three scoring drives were all uh, scoring drives of less than, what was the longest one? A minute 52, so less than two minutes on all three first scoring drives. Then their last two scoring drives. Oh, no, drives, it's, less, it's less than that. The... Oh, I'm looking at Tulsa. You're right. 46 Those were all 55 seconds, 55 seconds. 55 seconds, 36 seconds. <laughs> and then you look at the second half, their last two drives, eight minutes, five seconds, and 9.56. We said, hey, can you just put your foot down on the other team's neck and just say, we're done? And that's exactly what they did. Yeah, holy, It does not matter plays who you're 91, playing. 13 plays, 91 yards, 805. 14 plays, 96 yards, 956. Uh, is this like peak army right here? Mixed like, in with like the spread, like run around, throw it around the yard at the same yeah. time. This is like when we dreamed of 
Bloomgren comes to Rice, is it going to institute intellectual brutality, going to run yeah. the football, but be able to be West Coast, you know? And there's a lot of passing in West Coast football. Like, it's creative. It's not just, like, drop back and bomb it. But there's passing West Coast football. Go, go look it up. This is the peak, like, this is what it was supposed to be. This, yeah. this was the offense. Yeah, and, so I, I was going to say, the uh, for the first half basically they were doing a, a very solid impression of uh of the alabama offense this year three and out seven yards two plays 70 yards touchdown three and out zero yards two plays 53 yards touchdown three and out negative five yards six plays 13 yards like it was just they either got something off an explosive play or nothing happened at all and then it, the uh like getting that rapid touchdown in 36 seconds leading into the half just seemed to kind of ignite something. And like, they only had like, because they chewed up so much clock, they only had three drives or technically four drives in the second half, but it was, it was three touchdown drives and kneeling out to end the game. Yeah. And the, the craziest thing was the offense, like, and I'm, I feel like I can put a little bit of blame on JT because I'm going to spend like basically the rest of this podcast and the rest of the season talking about how incredible of a football player he is because like I still stand by that. But a good portion of why the offense kind of was sluggish early was JT. And and let's take take a step back and remember like he's still like practicing limited. He's not he's not all out there for every every play of practice and he's still dealing with uh, you know the ankle injury that's been hampering him it's one of, and when you get an ankle sprain or something like that we never had an official diagnosis it's something that if like if you sit if you don't touch it and you just sit on your on your couch and you do nothing for a couple weeks you get better if you keep running on it and doing things it's not helping your ankle get better so he's still playing at less than 100% and you could kind of see cuz he was sailing some of those throws and missing plays throwing behind receivers and you saw in the second half, once he kind of settled in and was like pinpoint, like the throw that he had on the touchdown to end the second half to land in ransom. <laughs> I was I was talking with him at, at practice today at time of recording, and he just kind of laughed. He's like, that's why I run every route 100 percent, because even if I'm not open, JT makes me open. <laughs> yeah, we're all spoiled. I mean that somehow uh, came uh, away as a compliment of JT Daniels even though it was kind of a critique. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's uh it it's been something to watch. And hey, uh they ran the ball. And it wasn't like yes, the the averages here are inflated by one 54-yard touchdown run for for Dean Connors, but like if you take that one out, that's still Let's see for the running backs for for that would Connors. Be 111 yards on like 20, 110 yards on 17 carries for the top two guys. Yeah, which like 6.5 yards per carry. You will take that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like they just and, and, and like you felt like this had to be coming at some point because like ultimately. 
you know, obviously there there are levels between teams and 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 players and like offensive lines that that do a better job getting a push and players that can make something out of nothing. But like as I have said on this podcast many times, running the ball is is ultimately a numbers game most of the time. And you had to think if JT Daniels kept going out there and slinging the ball around the way he has been, that teams were eventually going to be like, maybe we ought to like lighten up the box a little bit and 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 try to stop the try to you know put some more resources to defend the pass because this team can really chuck it around and you had to feel like that was eventually going to lead to some increased opportunities in the running game and it it felt like the dam finally kind of broke in that respect like the, obviously this still isn't going to be like a good team running the ball but as long as it can be complementary for the for the offense for the the passing game then like that's what they needed to do and and as we said before it's it's been really nice to see the way like and this is granted sort of a gimme but like the co- the coaches have not been trying to collectively bash their heads against the wall and, and sort of commit to the run when it's not working here. But yeah, like, they've said, no, nah, we'll pass. We just, we won't yeah. run. We can't right now, so we'll pass. But on Thursday, they they could run, and that's the second half. I mean, go look at the the splits of how much of, of that was, was done. Yeah, looking at the fourth quarter box score, 67 rushing yards, in the fourth quarter alone, third quarter, 34. So we're talking about, uh, I'm sorry, math on the fly is always a good podcast topic, but you're talking <laughs> the majority of the rushing yards came in the second half, not including that 54-yard run. That was early. So, yeah, they were able to run when they needed to. Like, hey, can you just take the air out of the ball and keep Tulsa? It's hard to get a comeback when your offense is not on the field. Yeah. This is, this is how football works. So that was really nice to see. And another thing that kind of the biggest thing that I kind of took away from this game, like running game was great. JT overall really great, but it was the play of the offensive line. And to the point where there's some of them when things are blocked really, really well, you just, I don't, I, you never gravitate to watching the offensive line. Right. But there's that point where you see the ball get put in the running backs belly and you just see the hole. And when you see that right. hole, that typically means the offensive line did their job. Now, sometimes there's a more that goes into it, but but when you have that hole, you're like, okay, <laughs> so, something he's going to have room to run. And 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 Dean Connors did. Juma had some good runs in this too. But that and then one sack allowed. And I think if we're talking about what's getting given this offense problems in the early goings, uh, like against Texas in particular, it was. Man, we can't we can't hold a pocket. <laughs> we we can't push yeah. people off the line. And then you even look at what happened against UConn. That that UConn front was pretty stingy. Nowhere to go. That was the issue. And so if you're telling me we have an offensive line that, you know, and we we kind of dream of this, but maybe we're not as willing to admit that it happened. You know, got better is getting better is learning to play better together as a unit. It's I don't know if it's ever going to be quite. Maybe it's, maybe Tulsa was the high point of the season where everything they blocked the run well, they blocked the pass block, but everything was great. Competition was not as intense as you're going to be playing in this next couple of weeks. Maybe it was, but I'd like to think that some of it was, hey, we kind of figured it out to some degree. Yeah, 
um, development is never linear, but it does in fact happen. Uh, so I it certainly would love to see this as, as a harbinger going forward of improvement by the offensive line. And you can say, like I think I saw during the game, they put up a graphic, I think after Tulsa's one sack, that uh, they had kind of one of the, the least productive pass rushes in the country in that regard. Um, so probably it's not going to be that clean every game going forward, even if they really are playing better. But there is something to be said for doing what you're supposed to do. And if you play a team that doesn't have a good pass rush, then ideally you should not give up a whole lot of pressure. And they did it. So, like, box checked there, and it, it helped lead to a really great result. Yeah, and then uh, other kind of notes I had on the passing game, Luke McCaffrey, 99 yards again. Is this, this 99-yard game number three this year or number two? I know he, is, he hit no. 99 already. He also hit 199. <laughs> Which is like, uh, just come on, like somebody round differently in the box score. Give this yeah. man, because they have all these, you know, like this many hundred yard games. And I'm like, I'm sorry, if you get to 99 and the difference is the, the ref, you know, spotted the ball six inches one way or another. Right. On a very imprecise eyeball test spot. Come on, you can, you can give the guy a yard. I'm just saying. Yeah. Yeah, he's had uh, 99, 199, 199. Oh, exactly 100? Oh, my yeah. gosh. The man really likes to be, he's also had 50. So he lo- really likes to be near, not necessarily on, sometimes on, but very close to Plus round lines. numbers. There you go. And then the other guy, Landon Ransom, the the two-minute touchdown drive they had right going into halftime. He had three catches on that drive alone, finished five for 58. We've been kind of waiting for him to kind of, you know, come along after being an opening day starter. And it's, you know, we're halfway through the season and this is the time where we see those young guys kind of start to, to pick it up and produce. And after the bye week, after the bye week. So we got Landon Rawson had some, some big uh, gains in that ended up with 45 yards on three catches so, uh, man, I and Matt Sykes emerged. He's yeah, gonna have some a Matt, a Matt Sykes appearance. He had a 32 yard like grab and a catch and run where he kind of caught it in space and it almost looked like on that play that he like might not have been fully expecting to get the football with that much room to run because he kind of got it and like looks around for a minute and just takes off, which was this is a product of having a good quarterback is a lot of these big plays. You got you got a got a lot of yak opportunities. Yeah. Unless he's putting in a bucket in the end zone, which he did in this game. So Jack Bradley increased his season receiving yards by about four hundred percent. That was a beautiful play design. It was. I, I love it, that. Like, I've been waiting for it all year. They had to yeah. How much they run that jumbo package. You're like they have it in their back pocket. They're ready. It's just when are you gonna call it? And yeah, that was fun to see. It was, and I was talking with somebody about it today, and he pointed out you go back and look at the play there. I think it was a linebacker that actually read it right. He kind of saw Jack leak out and tried to like run and chase and just like basically gets blocked, blocked by his own guy trying to get back. <laughs> Jack gets the free release. And, you know, honestly, 
maybe that's why it worked schematically is because no one was expecting Jack to leak out and then rumble for 38 yards. But if anybody else on the team catches that, it might have gone for 60 and a touchdown. No offense, Jack, uh, but <laughs> I'm happy he caught it and it was fun to watch. Yeah, I gold stars, A pluses, everybody on offense. I'm happy. I have no yeah. concerns. Defense, how do we feel? Uh, Pretty good? Yeah. I mean, like, at the beginning of the game, they let Tulsa move the ball a little bit, but, you know, they got the stops. Uh, the JoJo Jean Club? <laughs> Who played with that? There was a, a Rice line. Was it, did Anthony Ekpe? Trying to remember. Oh, was it Kenneth Orgy? It might have been Kenneth Orgy. Uh, yeah, it was Somebody OG. a couple years ago played. It was a it was a low was it Orgy or Ekby? It's one of those two. I don't know. But one of those two guys played with it for a couple games a couple years back. And I was like, I saw it and I saw the free release with JoJo coming around the back end, and I'm like, oh, he's gonna have a shot at the quarterback with his club. I'm like, that feels like that could work. And I, I talked with him afterwards and he said, Yeah, I I kind of timed it up, and I knew I could just whack it with that. That <laughs> <And it> worked, <laughs> which was fun. Yeah, three three turnovers. I I take that every week. They I talked with some guys on the team afterwards. They said their goal was plus two, and if you honestly, if you give me plus two every week, I'll be happy. But I was really happy about plus three, and I was really happy. I think just in general, like I think kind of watching this game and when they were moving the ball early second quarter, I kind of just resigned myself to, all right, this is going to be a team that is going to be high variance on defense and they're going to be big havoc plays and they might give up some big plays. And I was like, and right after watching them take the ball away three times, I was like, you know what? I can roll with this. I, I might feel less inclined to be happy about the variance plays when they're not three turnovers. Yeah. But, I think in general, I think that's that's kind of who this defense is going to be. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it might just be how it is. Yeah, uh, like I don't think we can at this point expect, you know, what, seven games into the season that this is suddenly going to become a lockdown amazing defense. I think we probably have... Probably have too much data to suggest that won't be the case, but if this is the start of maybe a nicer stretch, maybe this builds some confidence, some, some, uh, I don't know, a little positive feedback loop here, then, because we know this offense can score and generally has in every single game. So as long as you can make the critical stops, as long as you keep fighting and hang in there and give yourself a chance to play, then still got everything in front of them. Yeah, and I, I thought their the third down defense was what they finished. It stood out in this game. Tulsa was four for 14 yeah. on third down, and just the ability to get off the field is not giving up those third and longs. It, it kind of felt like, because we get to this point where we've seen this defense before, you get to, you know, third and eight, third and 12, and then you give up a big play. And that, that was almost more painful than the, like, you got to third and long. Like, it's not three, third and three. Like, you can do this. Yeah. So them getting off the field, I thought that helped, w was really good. I thought 
one of the things that they've done a pretty good job all year uh, stopping the run. This has been a, a front that's been pretty pretty capable on that front and forcing teams to have to throw the ball in those throw the ball situations. And they came out they came out pretty well for the most part against this. I think you're going to have it's going to be different when you have no offense to the Tulsa dual quarterback system, which I I I was kind of stunned that they were swapping back and forth as often as they were. And there were, there were plays in this game where they put both of them, both of them on the field at the same time. And I think at one point they, one of them threw a screen to the other one, which, okay. If that's your, if that's your best offensive game plan, go for it. But Rice defense is about to get tested by, I think, if you can quibble about where JT is in this rank, but when you have games coming up against Tulane, SMU, and UTSA, those are the four best quarterbacks in this conference, along with JT. Yeah, you can debate who goes one on any given Saturday or Thursday, but you are yeah. about to get tested by some good quarterbacks that are going to complete more than 50% of their passes. And that's where I think you got to make sure that you're having those high variance you know, havoc plays to kind of balance things out. Yeah, it'll be. Yeah, you got if you can't if you can't get stops every time, you got to create a little havoc. And if. Hopefully this is the start of something in that regard. That would be nice. And then the IVS, the only thing we didn't hit special teams, no field. That's the best way to make sure you don't miss a field goal, by the way. Is <laughs> no field goal attempts. Every time you're in the red zone, no field goals. Connor Hunt uh, kept his punting duties this week. Had a sh- His first punt was honestly pretty short, and that's part of the reasons that Tulsa was in range. I think they got a field goal off that drive. Yeah, I think they got like yeah. 12 yards and kicked a field goal. And I was like, oh, special teams. But I think for the most part, everything else was fine. No, yeah. no major. I, this was not a like banner night, I don't think, for special teams, but it wasn't a bad one. No, it that one was 30. Wasn't that as one bad was, as it was. Yeah, that one was 37 yards. And on his other three, he averaged over 40 yards a punt with one inside the 20. So that, that'll that like, if, if you got that every week in terms of punting, like an over 40 yard average, like that'll that'll do. Yeah, I I mean, it was good. Like I, this is there's not many many complaints that you can really take away from a game that went like that. I, I and that that punt, I'm pretty sure that he he downed it. He got down inside the five. Yeah, yeah, that, was a good one. that kick. I mean, that's great. Like <laughs> I'll trade a couple. You can you you're allowed to kick a 37 yard punt if you can down it inside the five. I will make that trade. That seems reasonable. But yeah, I mean, for the most part, this was a game where I don't think the offense, defense, or special teams had backbreaking mistakes. Like there was no, I don't think it was perfect. The defense was not perfect, but they got the turnovers. The offense was not perfect. But if you give JT Daniels in this offense enough reps, like, I'm sorry, you can't tell me you got 12 drives and you're not going to find a way to get a couple touchdowns and then some. Like, that's just what is normal for this offense at this point. So I think if all of those three units are competent, I think you will be able to be in the game with everyone left on your schedule. I think if you are disastrous on some of them, you could face some cup, some ugly ones because there's got, 
there's some some big dogs coming up. But man, you play this well, and I'm and the frustrating thing is we've said this before, right? Right. <laughs> if you play this well, you can hang with anybody on your schedule. I I I don't know if I have much how I don't know how to feel about how confident I should be that this team will show up again on Saturday. I right. just don't. Well, just I don't know, it's frustrating in a certain way because it it just again highlights what a missed opportunity the UConn game was because you didn't have to play anywhere near as well as you did in this one to win that one, and they didn't. So, but hypothetical, if you were going to just you know 3D chess this, if you knew that there was going to be a game this year where it just didn't work and everything went wrong. Actually, isn't the UConn game the best one for that to happen in? If that's the only one, and, and it, like, like, say you had to give up one, <laughs> that it, that would be the one. Like, like in, in exchange for it being better than the other one. I mean, it's not a conference game, so like, it's not the end of the world. You're saying if you had to lay an egg against UConn or against Tulane? Yeah, I, I'd take it against UConn. I'm not okaying this. We're still upset, and I have residual anger. Over how that game went, but I, I I promised if they beat, heck, if they beat any of the next three opponents, I I will purge that disappointment. And I don't know for for those watching, yeah, I, listening. I hope you did not watch the ECU Charlotte game. Oof. <laughs> the, the final score, the final score was ten to seven. I do. If, for those who are paying attention, every Sunday morning I put kind of a recap up of big storylines in the American, and I kind of saw that and like, oh man, both these teams are so bad. So if you can steal one of the next couple and you got Charlotte on the schedule, I'm I'm sorry, I'm I'm gonna go call it now. They're not Charlotte is not doing what they did again to this team because boy, uh, I Charlotte sure don't not. have an offense. Charlotte, I don't think you could spot them twenty points. I don't know if they could beat this Rice team. Yeah. I'm not saying we do it, but I'm just saying it's all in front of you. You need to win one more and you got Charlotte and a bowl berth. I saw this week they had uh, Rice versus Texas State in the Armed Forces oh, Bowl be in fun. Frisco as a projection. And that would that would be so much. Finally, fun. finally, revenge on G.J. Kinney. <laughs> just like many what, Rice fans. What was his celebrate? record against Rice? I, gotta, I have to go look that Probably up. Probably three and a or or when however many years he started I don't think uh, I, but Rice I'm trying to remember how far back because Rice had won a couple of one one in overtime at Tulsa Rice has done pretty well against Tulsa we're gonna have to go look that up GJ Kenny what this is we can't we're we will get to bowl dreaming on a later episode but I think for the most part we're we were happy with how things went and you know I have no complaints. I'm I'm looking through. I have a list of kind of like factoids and accolades that came through for this one. And let's see. JT has now passed uh, JT McMahon's passing total from last year in game seven. That'll do. Pretty good. He's ninth all time on Rice passing touchdowns with Taylor McCarg. And again, he's <laughs> played in seven. Yeah. Games. I 
and I have, and I would love to talk to Taylor. Taylor would Taylor would tell you JT's he's a dude. It's just it's all good. And Luke McCaffrey is tenth uh, all time with uh, seven touchdown receptions this year in a season. Okay. Already at tenth, tying with Jordan Taylor's 2014 season. That'll do. Just going through. We could we could just keep going. Like that's the kind of game it was. I would like another one. Please, please more. Yes, give me all the games like this. This is oh, and I I texted you to this during the game, but after double checking back, this is now the the most inter, the most touchdowns JT Daniels had thrown for in a season before this one was fourteen. His freshman year at USC, all the way back in twenty eighteen. That's crazy. And now he's at. Uh, so he had already beaten that before this game, but he's at seventeen now. All right, we're officially adding the JT Daniels touchdown tracker to all future podcast episodes. <laughs> it's all good. This is what happens when you win 42 to 10, when you post yeah, the largest victory gravy. in conference in a decade. And we'd like more of these. It's all, uh, it's all good feelings. It was great. Do this consistently. And if this was your A, I'll call it an A game. I, like, I, I truly believe this team has like an A-plus nuclear, like, they could have beaten Tulsa 70 to three if like, yeah, they just like that. That's in that's in the range of outcomes. That's outlier outcome. But it's there. If this was your a outcome, like pretty darn good, close to perfect. I'm just saying if we get B B's across the board, you you're going to win at least a couple of your next games. Like I'm just saying this team at B with the talent it has is good. Please, please play like it. This is my humble request. Yep. Yep. I uh, I have a cosine. I I, <laughs> I have nothing more to add. Everything's wonderful. Good night. <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, we'll be back. I kind of thought that was the sign off. Yeah. <laughs> if, if I weren't we, so set into a particular pattern, we have to here, leave this all in. Uh, yeah, I would have. Uh, I would have done it, but. Uh, <laughs> We'll see y'all next week uh, after, you know, we'll see how things go against Tulane. But, you know, hopefully it's an effort we can be proud of regardless. But we'll we'll see y'all then. And Rice fight. This show was edited and produced by Carter Spires. It features music from Joseph McDade.